0: Welcome to Mindfully Healing, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Micheline Malouf.
1: And I'm Nadia Desi. I am a registered social worker and psychotherapist, and Micheline is a licensed trauma-informed therapist. We are here to guide you through the connection between your mind and body to help you develop a deeper understanding of yourself.
0: On each episode, we navigate topics by posing a question to our mind and then having a deeper conversation with each other, ourselves, and special guests to help us
1: come full circle and answer each question. Join us in season one as we discuss trauma, trauma responses, attachment, and relationships.
0: In these episodes, we provide you with resources and tools to begin to heal your inner child, set boundaries, and help you along your journey of healing. Dear Mind, Why Am I Afraid of Everyone Around Me Dying? Welcome back to Mindfully Healing. I'm your host, Michele Malouf. And I'm Nadia Desi. And today, Nadia's interviewing me about my death anxiety.
1: Your death anxiety. I'm very excited for this episode because we talked about this briefly, and I know you've talked about it publicly before, and I've had so many personal friends of mine be like, can you talk about that more? Because I have it. And every time she was talking about that, I was like, oh my God, me too. I didn't realize that I was experiencing that. So what is death anxiety to you? So
0: there's different kinds of death anxiety. And like you could fear, you could have anxiety about yourself dying or yourself getting really sick and dying, or you could fear the death of loved ones, which is the type that I experience. So I have severe, intense anxiety whenever my family or friends or loved ones are in a situation that could potentially be harmful or, um, you know, just at the thought of them like getting ill and dying. You say you have severe anxiety. Does it come up all the time? It comes up all the time. It comes up mostly with my mom, my dad, my brother, and my husband. Um, It gets me into fights with them. It gets me to spiral. It gets me to feel out of control. And I try to become like this, like overprotective person. So for me, like, I I know where this started. Like, I think I've talked about it a couple of times, maybe. I think I made a one video on TikTok about it. I've witnessed the death of um, a few people. So when I was eight years old, I saw a man die on the beach. Um, He drowned. And then I saw like, his family huddled up over him and like his wife lose her shit, you know, with Obviously I would too. Um, But like just screaming like, no. And that was really traumatizing. My parents didn't really help me process that. They don't, I don't think they knew like what that might have done to me. So they didn't really help me process that then. Um, we lived in Venezuela and Venezuela was a very dangerous place um, at the time. I mean, I'm pretty sure it still is, but like, right. It was really dangerous. My dad almost got killed and which is why we moved to the USA. So he used to own a, um, a shop where he would sell like like electronics, like computers and stuff. And um, one day he was leaving the shop and two men put a gun to his head and basically um, from each side of the window and told him to, to get out and give him the car. And then, you know, he, obviously they stole the car. They didn't hurt him because he didn't like fight back. So that got us to move to the U.S. Um, and then we went on a vacation in Mexico with my family and I saw another man die. Like f- he was working on the roof of the hotel we were staying at and he oh fell. God off of the roof, right into a palm tree and died like instantly. And we, um, again, my parents didn't really like talk about it. Like no one processed anything. And, um, I, and then my husband in 2016, just like woke up very, very weirdly ill one day and has been in chronic pain ever since. But for the first year when we didn't know what was going on, I mean, every possible thing that could happen went through my mind. I spent all my vacation going up and down to hospitals and doctors with him. And my in my mind, like my husband was going to die. And so it it is, I think trauma caused mine. Yeah. <laughs> That's trauma. Uh, trauma caused mine. But it, I am at the point where like, I can't talk. I can't like even this episode, like talking about it, like I'm going to have to hold myself together because like I will cry like it is so intense for me to to talk about to think about and I'm terrified I'm terrified of something bad happening to someone
1: I I actually have goosebumps because you hear one thing and that's where it stems from but for you it was thing after thing after thing and of course those situations are so sad for the families and for everything that happened so do you think that your death anxiety started when you like When you first heard about your dad, was that the very first one? It was your dad, Mexico, and then on the beach? Actually, I think I had a delayed trauma
0: response. Okay. Um, Uh, And I think that's something that like a lot of people ask about, which, which is a thing like, you know, you're younger, you don't really think about things. You don't really process things. Nobody processed them with you. Everything was fine. I was just like, oh, my dad almost got killed. Yeah. I saw my mom cry. I saw my dad freaking out. We moved our whole lives. I moved to the U S when I was eight years old because of that and, um, didn't really process or think about it or really nothing. It just stopped there. That was it. Like we moved on. And I think as I got older, it just got worse and worse and worse. It wasn't until 2016 when my husband woke up with vertigo and it hit so close to home. And I started envisioning what that might, that's where the intrusive thoughts came in. Like I would have like this intense, like, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, and like Um, I diagnosed him with everything he could possibly be diagnosed with health wise, like I was googling left and right reassurance seeking, um, going uh, to doctors and like being like, he's not explaining it, right? I have to explain it to you, because I was so afraid that they would miss something. It wasn't until that really huge, impactful, traumatic experience that like, everything started to come up. Because I have friends and like, I've met people that have like a significant other that's sick and the level of, yes, it's always anxiety provoking. It's always painful. It's always like, it's never easy. Um, and obviously for my husband, it's not easy and he's actually dealing with it. And I don't think he had as much anxiety about death as I did about him dying. Um, so that like, I think started like making me Realized that like what I was experiencing was not normal. Like it's not just a normal response. It was like a very intense response.
1: And um, as you were speaking, I was visualizing you in my head. Cause I can't imagine being one person's support system and trying so hard to be there for them. But at the same time, having these overwhelming intrusive thoughts that are causing you crippling anxiety that he's going to die. It's like trying to hold it together, but also in your head. You feel worst possible. You can't hold it together. Yeah, hold it together, and I feel guilty. I feel I still
0: feel a lot of guilt and a lot of shame around even feeling the way I do because he's the sick one, and so that's something like within the community of caregivers. Like if you're out there and you're a caregiver, I know I you know what I'm talking about. It's like I when I made a post on social media about the death anxiety. And how it impacts us, inevitably there was a comment or two. Um, what about your husband? He's the sick one. Or what about like whatever? Like that, that is always like, yes, I know, I know. And that's the thing. Like the caregivers are the ones that, you know, already know that. And like we feel a lot of shame for even putting our needs in the picture knowing that there's someone next to us that not only is suffering the emotional ramifications of of being ill, but also physically in pain. So like a comparison is like almost impossible not to do. So there's that part of it, but yeah. So it makes it so hard because like, you have all of these like thoughts and emotions and like, um, fear of like, what, like what to do. Like, you have no idea what to do. I remember going to therapy and I was in it. Like I was in it with him. Like he would hurt, I would hurt. He would cry, I would cry. Like there was no like, there was no like balance. And so I went to therapy and I'm, and he's like, I don't know, like, I don't know what to do. I need you. And he would tell me, I need you. And I was like, I can't, like, I'm just as fucked up as you. Like, I can't deal with this. And so the therapist kind of helped me create my own life. Um, outside of like the bubble of our life, you know, which is very hard. And, but that doesn't come without consequence because now I'm not in it with him, like in the storm, but then also like, I'm still in it in fear and not only with him, but like my parents, my, my brother, like if they get in the car and they're driving to Miami where like my grandma lives and my mom's sisters live, it's a four hour drive from where we live in Orlando. And like the thoughts that go through my mind
1: are sick. Like, like I can't, they're intrusive. With your husband, it seems like for you, almost like a lose-lose, like anything you do, the guilt is going to be there. So do I be involved and I'm the one constantly like worried and scared and being overwhelming to him? Or do I stand back and try to live my own life? But each thing sounds like guilt is going to take over and I I didn't realize this until me and you had the conversation of like when someone in your life is struggling of course you want to check in with them of course you want to be with them I mean like physically if they're sick or if something's going on but check on their loved ones too that doesn't happen enough see how yeah. they're doing see if they need support sometimes things get really overwhelming for them
0: yeah like people would ask me so people would feed into it and I think people don't realize how they feed into someone's death anxiety sometimes and unintentionally um, because the person like myself who struggles with wo- worrying about if my husband is going to die or not is always like, and like, that's, that's like, tick, tick, tick. it's like a clock, it's like clockwork. Like you wake up thinking about it. You go to work thinking about it. You're Googling all the time. You're, you know, doing all the things all the time to make sure that you can catch it before anything bad happens. And, mm-hmm. um, and what happens is like, you, you, you go to your friends and family for support. You go to therapy for support. But instead of them looking at you and being like, How are you taking care of yourself? Are you eating? Are you like really asking you about your feelings about it? They start falling into it too, and not like on purpose, like they're not being mean or anything. I appreciate yeah. everyone that's ever been there for me. But it is hard because it's like they feed into that like what if, into the intrusions because <sighs> well, did they look into this? Well, they look into this and everyone's trying to be helpful. But for someone who has death anxiety, that's like, oh shit, you're right. Like we haven't thought about this yet. And like, why is that person asking about this? They must think it's really bad. Okay. So it must be really bad. Oh my gosh. I'm not like overreacting. So it's like, it's, it's really feeding into the, the anxiety rather than like, If we, you know, from a therapist perspective now, knowing about like anxiety and and all of that, it's almost like focusing on that is actually, it's like enabling the anxiety rather than being like, I know you're worried about
1: this. The doctors have got it. Now let's talk about what you're doing to help yourself. But even on your end, like... I know I've done this in the past too, purposely positioning the way I say things to sneak like to get that reassurance in a sneaky way. So I'm not fully being like, hey, mom, are, are they going to die? But I'm like finding a way to add it into the conversation so I can grab onto that little piece of reassurance that they give back. Me too.
0: There was this one time where... I thought he had, I was just like, oh, maybe he has MS. I thought he had, I was like, these symptoms, like Google said it's MS. So I was just like going into it. Right. And, um, I would talk to people and I'd be like, kind of in a sneaky way, like you said, like, be like, yeah, but I don't, you know, I don't think it's anything like really neurologically bad. Right. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> right um or or it would be like somebody would randomly bring up like oh my friend's dad had MS or something like that and be like oh what were those symptoms like like I don't mm. think of how, how long did it take for them to you know and like trying to like gather information not because and this sounds bad not because I was interested in this person no but because I needed to like gather my resource information in so that I knew to take that information back to my husband or figure it out, you know, or yeah.
1: Well, it would work as temporary relief, right? Because if those symptoms didn't match with your husband's, it's like, well, this person says that there's the reassurance I need and he's okay. On to the next thing.
0: 100%. If you
1: yeah. have a friend or a family member that struggles with death anxiety, health anxiety, and the anxiety really reassurance is enabling And the best thing you can do for them is be there, but without giving in to what they're asking. So you, you mentioned intrusive thoughts. What do those look like for you and how often do they come? Anytime
0: that I think about like, okay, so last night my husband was not feeling very well and he had, he had been doing pretty well for, for a little bit. And like, he wasn't feeling very well. His chest started. He's like, Oh, I think it was indigestion quite honestly, like from the food. And so like He had eaten, and then he's like, "Oh, my chest." I'm like, "Oh, it's probably acid reflux." And then my mind started. Then I started going into like, "What if it's not acid reflux? What if he's having a stroke? What if he's, what if I don't do anything about it? What if I don't take him seriously?" And then because I didn't take him seriously, you know, early warning signs are very important. You know, I will like not be able to save him. What if this? What if this? And that went into my dog went to like, what if Norman gets sick? What if Whoa. like, like blah, blah, blah. and then it went to my parents, my parents are traveling right now. Um, they're in Lebanon. So then it spiraled to them. And I was like, what if my parents don't get back? And what if they don't come back? And now Gabriel's going to die. My dog's going to die. And then all of my family's going to die. So I'm going to be alone. That was last wow. night.
1: That was your thought process last night. And it sounds like that thought process is like an hour, but I'm sure you thought all about like all of that in four minutes. Yeah, not even (laughs) like like you resorted to I'm going to be alone in like 30 minutes. That was actually my next question, because I know it was 2016, you said. And when everything started happening with your husband is when it came up. But I wanted to know, like, if it kind of crossed over to your family as well. But you answered that
0: definitely crossed over into my family. Um, It's 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 really bad. Like, I know I'm talking about it on like a very, like, light level right now, but it's like, it's intense. It's a physical nasty sensation. I almost feel like I'm panicking. Um, I dissociate. Like I can't talk to my husband about when he brings up symptoms, sometimes like about treatment or like this doctor said this, that all of a sudden I'm zoned out. Like I'm checked out and we've gotten into a couple of like arguments about you're not even paying attention to me. I feel alone. And I'm like, Oh, sorry. That was not intentional. Like I literally just like snapped by you know trigger we just talked about trigger warnings ah. in our previous episode medical talk of any sort with him is automatic gone it, just out of it i'm just out i'm dissociated i'm gone sometimes i catch myself and i'm like "Fuck! i forgot i didn't even hear what he just said and this is important <laughs> so i have to be like wait hold on what did you say so
1: um that's yeah. really hard. So you mentioned that your thought process is like this person's sick, then my dog, then my family, and then I'm gonna end up alone. And I notice I do the same thing. I always come to a conclusion that is obviously catastrophizing and an extreme end of the spectrum. But is that usually where you resort to? Like you kind of come up with a conclusion and then you're like, okay, so then I'm gonna be living my life alone and I'm gonna and you plan out your whole thing by yourself without
0: anybody. I'm I'm thinking about the funeral. I'm thinking about not being able to be a therapist anymore because my emotions would be like so overwhelming that I would lose my career. I'm thinking about like, um, just not surviving, like just not being able to make it through or pull through because I, I always think I'm going to cry because I always think that like, yeah, trigger,
1: trigger, it's hard to talk about
0: take a little time breath yeah perfect example of bringing myself back from a trigger yeah just talking this isn't like um
1: it's not happening nothing real
0: yeah but um yeah I think about like being alone in a sense of doom not like just being oh I'm alone I have a house alone I have a dog and a career alone like not being able to survive alone. So not surviving.
1: Surviving. Yeah, it's a worst, worst case scenario. Not even like I'm planning my life alone now. It's just, I can't do this alone.
0: Yeah. And like this response right here is like uh-huh. exactly what I'm working on because like this response right here is what happens whenever I think about it. Like like I can't watch a movie um about death because this is where the spiral goes the spiral goes and like now I'm bringing myself back and I'm better okay how long did that take I was like what two a minute or two but like it just like it's getting better it used to not I used to not be able to do this like I used to be once I cried it was like like wave uh-huh. of emotions but yeah it's like it spirals and like you go into like the darkest room you've ever been to in your life and you can't you can't fathom life
1: happening without these people right so. you're actually going through the process of like if it were to happen
0: oh yeah it's happened in my mind it's like it's yeah. happened i'm there i'm not yeah. surprised like when i come back like right now i'm like holy shit i still have my
1: family i think if you are listening to this You know, in the car or actually through the podcast app, please turn on our YouTube video so you can see the way that we're actually, okay, not while you're driving, but if you can like go home (laughs) when you have a chance and watch our YouTube videos, you can see this in like live moment because I want to ask now what are you feeling do you feel like the rest of the conversation you're gonna be dissociated and just able to keep up conversation feel anything in your body thoughts yeah so I felt
0: embarrassed like I felt embarrassed and ashamed like I shouldn't be crying like that I remember like what the hell initially where you that that was going through my mind but physically yeah I felt tense and I felt small and like I was shrinking um and usually no I'm not gonna be dissociated now because again, like I've, I've been working on this. This is something that like, I worked, I was working with, with my therapist, something that I work with consistently. So I will, I did dissociate. I did go off. I did go into like a flashback and like a fear. Okay. Like I came back, I was able to come back within like a few minutes. Whereas in the past, when this first started happening, it was like, I would have to shut down the computer and like, I'd be like, we got to talk later. I need to go cry for like an hour.
1: What was the process for you of realizing like, okay, this is coming from so many other things, not just present day. Um, I have a really good friend who's a
0: therapist. And one time I just went over to her house and we were talking and she's like one of the deepest friends I have. Like she asks like deep questions like you can't just have a shallow friendship with this person and um, hi Candace. Um, <laughs> and so she actually um, started asking me, cause like I, I was in a spiral about this one day and she started asking me questions about my past
1: mm-hmm. and
0: like through her like questioning, she's like, do you realize that you have lost, you've seen loss happen it's always men. She put all of these, helped me put all of these puzzle pieces together. And I was like, So do you think that like all the stuff I've been through like is causing me to react in this? And she's like, Absolutely. This is the
1: definition of like a trauma response.
0: Like you are literally responding to the past right now.
1: Wow. I saw a video on TikTok that was like traumatic things happen when we're younger, but it's almost like being in grade three. And doing algebra it doesn't make sense and it's hard for us to figure it out that's why we don't do algebra until ninth or tenth grade I don't know whenever you do algebra because you start to understand it more you're able to put the numbers and figure it out and, and it makes sense too when you're that young it's hard to understand what yeah. happened and why you were traumatized exactly I think that I've never heard that I think that is like it just like helps it click even more actually yeah.
0: right? because I'm like yeah you're right like Because I've always thought about that. Like, why didn't I react back then? Why didn't I cry? Why didn't I like have images of people just like dying? You don't make sense of it. And as you get older, the idea of death becomes so much more real. Um, And then all of the stuff from the past, like that late, I think, onset trauma for me, like definitely was very real, which I get a lot of questions on social media about that. Like, I was fine when this happened. But why am I not fine now? And I think that's exactly it. Like maybe in that time, your brain couldn't make sense of what was happening. And now you can, or you're not as associated anymore, maybe. right.
1: Or now you're in certain situations that it has to come up because you're older, because of the relationships you're making, because of the jobs, because of school, like there's no other option. So you have to process it. How or when did you realize, okay, I need to get help for this? When
0: Gabriel was,
1: um, he
0: needed me. And he needed, he he has, his family lives in Brazil. I'm literally like the only person he has here. He doesn't have many close friends. So um, I and my family are his family and me, the person closest to him couldn't be present emotionally for him because his emotions were triggering my death anxiety. And so that, At that point, he was straight up with me. He's like, you need to go see a therapist about this, please. Like, I need you. And he went too. Um, So we both kind of like try to get help um, for it. And I think it's funny because I've made a post about this before. I think initially that therapist helped me dissociate really well. So I went from feeling everything to dissociated numbing out and numbed it and then he and then he was like now you're just like emotionally unavailable and so then I was like fuck now I gotta go back to the middle somehow so like it was a process it was really hard it was really hard um I'm just
1: I'm confused how did that happen like how did you how did he teach you to dissociate I don't still don't know how it happened
0: I just know that like something she said oh sorry what was she yeah. No, she, something she said made me feel like that was the way when she said the words you're in the tornado with him, you need to be out of the tornado. So you could be the wall to, you know, block the wind or whatever she said, I was like, yeah, you're right. Okay. So how do I do this? Okay. Do more things for me. So my, and I don't think she meant it in that way. I think th- I think I took it as you can't You just can't do it, like okay. So, you just have to live your life. So, I was like, Yeah, okay. So, in order for me not to be emotionally so involved in this, the only way I knew how to do it was to dissociate. Wow,
1: so I did. Was that the first time you learned how to dissociate? Because I know that's a common symptom of your anxiety or CBTSD.
0: No, no, I've dissociated before, um, okay. but it wasn't like I intention. Even this time, it's not like I intentionally said, "Oh, let me just go dissociate real quick." You right. know, it was more of like I thought that I was separating myself enough, but it see it ended up being I separated myself too much. And, um, because then I was like, everything he would talk to me about, I would see it as matter of fact, robotic, factual. And like, I took all the emotion out of it. And like, that's the only way I could be in that conversation without spiraling out of control with my emotions. So in that another set of issues because like the first set of issues was you feel too much. You can't be there for me now. You're not there for me at all. Hello. Are you there? Knock, knock. Um, like, I feel like I'm talking to a robot, you know? And so I, it's like been like, it was so weird. Like now I'm still working on finding that happy medium. And I think that came with boundary setting and saying, well, boundary setting for myself and like knowing, okay, I, I cannot talk about this for hours all the time. Um, also boundaries for myself. I didn't have, I had neglected all my friends and everything. When this happened, I wouldn't go out to eat. I wouldn't um, go hang out with my family. If he wasn't feeling well, I wasn't going, like I was very codependent on him because I was so afraid. So that I think created this whole set of like, you have no identity. And so you have to take care of him. You have to save him. You cannot let him, anything bad happen to him. So that happened. And then like with therapy, then she was like, no, you need your life. Like it's okay to have your life. And that was a hard thing for me. Cause it's like, how can you have your life while your husband is struggling? That was like a, Oh, what the fuck? Like, this is messed up. Like, how dare I have fun? How dare I succeed? How dare I like go have a drink or eat food and smile and joke when the person I love can't, you know, ever So that was like a really big, like, okay, so I have to dissociate. And so I dissociated and now I could do those things, never fully present. And so now I'm at the place where I'm like, I'm working on that part of like, just being able to enjoy my, like, I enjoy my time now with my friends. And I know that like, it's not like I can have two feelings at once. I could be sad, for my husband and grieve. And like, I still am in the grieving process of mm-hmm. like the husband I thought I would have and the relationship I thought I would have and the life I thought I would have that I don't. And that's just the reality. And being able to still have fun with the people that I love that are closest to me and just living life. Like if it weren't for that, I wouldn't be on TikTok. I wouldn't be as successful. Like I put a lot of energy into yeah. myself now, which is good and trying to still have energy with the relationship with the way it is, like not trying to change it or mold it into
1: what I thought it was going to be. my God, it gave me goosebumps, especially talking about like the grieving process. I think that's something a lot of people miss and don't realize that it's something you have to go through. But a couple episodes ago, you were talking about how you told your client, you can be really sad about one thing. (laughs) but be happy about another thing too. And it's definitely applied here. Two things can be true at the same time. You can be doing everything for your husband and trying your hardest and grieving and helping him in every way and feeling sad about it. But you can also have a life on the side and doing things that make you happy.
0: Like a few years ago, um, I would never, ever, 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 ever have been able to like when you were here in Orlando we were hanging out like I would have never been able to hang out that much because
1: (laughs) every day we saw each other Mm
0: -hmm. I mean I and I gotta say like there's still some things I won't like there's certain things that like if he's feeling really bad like I will obviously like cancel yeah Mm -hmm. spend with him um but like before I wouldn't have even like I wouldn't have been able to like you know be like I'm sorry like Glad you're near me, but I can't see you. And like it sucks because like it, you know, yeah. um, you find out who your true friends are too during that time and stuff because you find out like people that are like, yeah, take your time, like, you know, no hard. Feelings. I'm not gonna
1: give you shit for not talking to me for the past couple of weeks because you've been going through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for our listeners who are realizing now, like, oh my gosh, I struggle with this. Where do you start? What do you do? I want you to Remember
0: that your feelings and your worth as a human being still matters. You are worthy of having a life, of having love, of having emotions and needs, needs. It's okay to have needs despite what's happening with the other person. And if you're fearing health, I mean, death, anxiety of another person or health, anxiety of another person, then I know that you want that reassurance and I know that that might make you feel better, but the, the thing that's going to help the most is to sit in those feelings of fear and anxiety and discomfort and like cry if you need to and talk about it with someone. Like I cannot tell you, I mean, for me, my breaking point, my breakthrough was more with a friend than the therapist. So talk to someone a friend that can listen and
1: just be there. And there's no shame in whatever emotions that you're feeling. Such a great message. And once again, in our past episode, we talked about baby steps and something here when Micheline mentions like sitting in the discomfort, it can be something as small as your parents are on a road trip and you call them every hour, call them every hour in 15 minutes instead. Just Mm -hmm. push it as much as you can. Just push it a little bit. And typically, I think there's evidence out there that says like when we have an intrusive thought, and it could be related to death or health anxiety, if we just ride it out from five to seven minutes, that's when the fall down starts to happen after. So if you can just sit in that uncertainty and discomfort for five to seven minutes, you might start to feel better and not have to give into that, what we call a compulsion, or something to get like the reassurance seeking, the googling, the talking to somebody instead, just try to ride it out on your own if possible, if not baby steps. Yeah. Any last tips, tricks, anything you wanted to say regarding death anxiety? Just with the theme of this
0: podcast, like I used to get very mad at myself and my mind for taking me there. And I want you to like say with me, like, dear mind, thank you for showing me how much I actually care about the people that are around me because. I care about them so much that this is a big fear. And when something bad happens, we will deal with it. So can we like take a break and sit with the discomfort? So like repeat that with me, like say it again and again, your brain loves you. It's just trying to protect you.
1: Thank you so much, Micheline, too, for being so open in this episode and showing our listeners that you are human, too, and giving them the opportunity to see you go through something live and get triggered and struggle. It's so powerful.
0: Well, thank you for giving me the space to do that and being such an amazing, sensitive questioner to where you allowed me to do that. And thank you all for joining me on this. I really hope that like, whatever, it's you got something out of this episode in terms of like, you're not alone at
1: least if you're dealing with this. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family and remember to leave us a review. We love reading your comments.
0: Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to along with your thoughts and share it to your story and tag us so we can reshare it to our story. And be sure to follow us on social media at mind.fully.healing on Instagram, at mindfully.healing on YouTube and on TikTok at mindfully.healing. Until next time.